warrior-hearted women do is default to gratitude. Yeah. And you know, you've heard your mom or your grandma say, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. When you don't have something nice to say, default to gratitude. So good. All right, Nancy, thank you. I'm glad that I didn't have to follow what Kim was talking about because mine is somewhat similar. But I mentioned that I'm grateful for modern medicine and uh, technology and that kind of thing. 15 years ago, I was diagnosed with a, a terminal disease that I would only live for less than two and a half years. And that was before the doctors in my town knew that there was medication to extend what I have, which is pulmonary hypertension in my lungs or between my lungs and my heart. So there's medication for that. So I've been able to, my life has been extended for 15 years now. They said possibly 10, maybe 15 after I got on the medicine. So I'm at my outer limits, but that's okay. Uh, but this past month, oof, has been a real challenge because my husband's been sick. And that's not what we're used to at all. And uh, he had to have a five bypass surgery. And that has really knocked the uh, stilts out from under his legs, I guess you could say. But again, it was just kind of by accident that we found this out and that, that there is medication. There are doctors, there are hospitals that can do this. But at one point, he looked at me and he said, 10 or 15 years ago, who would have thought you'd be taking care of me? And it was just like, that was his gratitude statement, I think. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's like, this is what I was probably saved for, to take care of him, to love him, because I don't know very many people who would put up with him. <laughs> he's ADHD and he's very difficult, but he's, He's mine <laughs> and I love him and I'm glad there's a heart lung machine they could put him on which wasn't around very many years ago and it's just there's just such gratitude for life and for for uh, answers to prayers and I just have to say here that the, when the times would get really rough in the hospital, when he was in and out of ICU and back and forth, everything that he, every uh, backslide that he could do in this surgery, he did. Or he just kept, oh, it was just, it was difficult because he just kept having problems. And so uh, I've lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, you were saying. You were saying there's something I have to mention here. Oh, that I would think, okay, what am I going to do now? Who am I going to talk to? What do I say? Well, I would immediately think of my team group. And I knew that them, as well as some of my ward member friends, were praying for us. And I could feel those prayers and I could talk to them during those times and could feel feel their love and feel their concern and feel 
gratitude for them and feel feel their gratitude for me and my husband for for wanting to even do that, to even want to love us and pray for us and care for us. That's what I had to say. Thank you for that, Nancy. Yeah, Nancy, we have we have small groups of women in in something called Team Mom Power Groups. And she's talking about her team that she attends. And I was going to say, Nancy, uh, you weren't just saved to, to help your husband at this time. I think you were saved to, so that you could move into my area and influence my life. I'm grateful that you have been part of my life. So thankful for your positive, no-nonsense example. Thank you. Okay, I'm going to Luann, and then I'm going to go to JJ. Hey, thank you, Nancy, for witnessing to us, like everybody has, that God is good. He's so merciful and kind. And I don't think he needs us to give him our praise and stuff, but we need it. Um, a couple of days ago, I came across this talk um, from Elder Uchtdorf, grateful in any circumstance that he gave in April 2014. And so in preparation for today, I thought, oh, okay, I'll, I'm just going to read that. Um, and let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought of being grateful as a commandment? I guess I've never really thought about that, but in his, in his message, he says, as disciples of Christ, we are commanded to thank the Lord, our God in all things, to sing unto the Lord with thanksgiving and to let our heart be full of thanks unto God. And just like Karen mentioned, like, you know, you look at the conference talks and there's footnotes and stuff. So there was a footnote for the part of, we are commanded to thank the Lord, our God in all things. And he references six scriptures about being grateful um, and that it's the Lord's will. Two from the Book of Mormon, two from the Bible, and two from Doctrine and Covenants. And so as we've talked today, as you guys have shared today, I was thinking, wow, as we are grateful, that increases our spiritual momentum. It increases our ability to hear the Lord, to hear, to hear the whisperings of the Holy Ghost, increases our personal revelation. And I think it lets us know that we are dependent so much on our Heavenly Father and helps us to remember him, which I think is a way we can just fight the enemy, right? Because he wants us to forget that we've ever had any personal revelation given to us from God or that God really is in our lives. And so as we acknowledge that, and maybe even as we write it down, we're, we're creating evidence that we can remember that, yes, God is good. God is merciful. And I just think that's a way for us to fight back the enemy. So I don't know, after reading that today, I'm thinking, yeah, the Lord has commanded us to be thankful in all things for our good. That's so good. I'm just going to really quickly read this. Um, the Lord revealed through modern revelation to the prophet Joseph Smith in the doctrine and covenants. It says, um, Thou shalt 
thank the Lord thy God in all things. So thou shalt is kind of a kind of a commandment language, right? Thank the Lord thy God in all things and in nothing doth doth man offend God or against none is his wrath kindled save those who confess not his hand in all things and obey not his commandment. And in the Book of Mormon, we read about gratitude. Oops, hang on. In Alma, and it says, it just that we live in gratefulness daily for the many mercies and blessings which God doth, doth bestow upon us. And that's in, um, well, I'm, that's in Alma. I can't open it up again. So yeah, JJ. Well, it's been such a blessing to just uh, sit and listen to you all today. Some of your stories are killing me over here. <laughs> um, but it, yeah, I just, I'm grateful for the strength of your, your words and your wisdom. And, um, it's helpful. Um, I think I've been <clears throat> thinking a lot about um, Daniel and the lion's den this week naturally <laughs> um and just how he was actually in the den with hungry lions um before he could realize and be grateful that he wasn't getting eaten by them and uh that just being in that den and being with those lions uh, I'm sure was very scary. Uh, and so it's just made me think about how sometimes in our lives, um, we think we're doing things for a certain reason. And it ends up, you know, turning or being something totally different than we realize. And then also, um, being able to understand and realize that Heavenly Father has had us in his hands the whole time, that he's got us, that he's got our back, no matter the situation. Not every day feels great, but there is um, great in every day. There is something that we can find to uh, be grateful for. And um, Maybe I can just share this really quick because it's just very recent, but um, probably about, oh man, it's probably been a year and a half ago now. I was just feeling this sense of that I was needing to do something, add something more to my life. I had been home with kids for, gosh, at that point, it had been 22 years. And, and I just thought, you know, maybe there um, was something more I could give, you know, and um, through some prayer and some what I felt was revelation, um, I felt really impressed that I needed to try to become a seminary teacher of all things. And, uh, and so I just thought, all right, let's just go for it. And, and I entered this class and basically the teacher at the beginning said, none of you will actually probably teach seminary at the end of this. Like, it's just, it just doesn't happen really very often. And, 
we, we do this class every six weeks and we just, you know, and, and, uh, and it wasn't like I was going to be willing to move or anything. I'm just, you know, this mom here in Idaho and my husband works. And so I just thought, great, I'll just take the class. And like, that's cool. You know? And so I took the class. It was awesome. And, and, um, had the opportunity to be trained like all semester long and have some really incredible, um, meaningful experiences. And so I really felt like I was on this path, like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. And this will be so good for my family because if I'm studying the scriptures and in the scriptures, and that's what I'll naturally talk about to them. And, and all oh, this is going to just be so great. And so um, it got to the end and, um, they actually offered me a job and I just thought, like, I, you told me no one was going to teach seminary. So I wasn't really expecting that. And they gave me three classes and they said, you're going to start in January and all this can happen. And so I was like, okay. And mind you, I've been home. Like, I don't know anything about technology. I'm not like, I haven't been working. I don't, I don't know. You know, what did I just get myself into is really what. I was at thinking and um, so I um, went ahead and got all ready and just did everything that I could. And my family was so supportive and kind and yeah, go mom, you can do this, you know? And, um, and I show up the first day and I meet those 90 faces and um, I just felt so much overwhelm with, what that was going to require to to love them and to teach them and i got home about five that night and um my two little girls i looked in their faces and i realized um i i'm gonna kind of have to choose here at this moment um you or them because I just realized it was going to require so much more than I had thought. For some reason, I don't know why in my mind, I just thought, oh yeah, I'll just go teach a few classes in the afternoon. It'll be fine. Come home and do my thing. But I quickly realized it was going to take a lot of preparation. And so literally, ladies, I, I lasted one day and never have I been this flaky in my life, right? <laughs> I had a panic attack that night and I just, I was just, you know, crying, it, like all the things, I just felt like the biggest, you know, I, they had put a lot of effort into me and I realized I couldn't do this to my children at this time. And so I let it go. And, um, and so for like a year, I've kind of been feeling like, you know, just flaking, like, why did I do that? Why did I feel so impressed that I needed to do that? You know? And, um, and I, I learned some valuable lessons that sometimes, um, I don't know if you remember that, I think even, even on YouTube, the little talk that Elder Holland gave one time about two roads and um, how they had felt impressed to go right. And it took them like to the edge of a cliff or some, I don't know, to the end of the road, like they couldn't go any farther. And it was fairly quickly that they got there and they realized, you know, why did we feel so impressed to go right when that was obviously going to take us to a cliff? Like, why didn't we just go left? And um, how sometimes we need to go to the edge of the cliff to realize, to get back on the path that we were on and, and to be willing to stay there. So I'm so sorry for that long story, but then it brought me to this summer and, um, 
my daughter was um that's in fifth grade now she has a teacher who's having a baby in a couple of weeks and she's always had huge amounts of anxiety around substitutes and so in my mind I was like okay you know maybe I'll just try to become a substitute at your school to just kind of like calm your anxieties around substitutes and I had no intention of like taking over her class or anything I just thought if I'm in the building you know maybe that will help her and and that sort of thing and so I was in the building a lot this fall hardest job I've ever had in the world I was just like these kids are disturbed like this is so hard I I thought I had like class management skills I don't like my daughter was like actually mom I think I'm okay I really don't have too many anxieties around subs anymore I so I again I'm like am I just the biggest loser I don't know Anyway, but I, I was subbing, 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 and they were, they were having a very difficult time finding people to work. And so they asked me if I would take over this class um, full time until March, till the teacher gets back. And I just, I, my heart wanted to do it, but I honestly just wasn't feeling right about it. And so I'd be like, yeah, I'll do it. No, I won't. Yeah, I'll do it. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. And I just like, why am I the flakiest person on the earth right now? Like, why can't I just commit and do these things? Right. And, um, and then it hit me the last, very last time I subbed was in the middle of October. And I had my daughter's second grade class. And um, not only was it a disaster, it actually, it just wasn't safe. Like there's just things going on in that class that um, I just, I had no idea how, um, just, uh, the rough situation that they, that they were in. And so right then and there, I knew that I had to make a change for her. Like something had to happen. And I just, I felt so bad and I just, I prayed over it the whole weekend and I just felt so impressed. I needed to pull her out. And to be honest, ladies, I just, I never thought I would homeschool on purpose. Like I just was like, you know, and, um, and I second guessed and I, and I, but I've just gone with it. And I, and I took her and what alarmed me is that she would have never told me this on her own. She would have never said, um, these things were happening in her class. And so I've had her home for a couple of weeks now. And I actually thought she had some special learning challenges and that she's grown so much in the last two weeks that I honestly think it was probably the environment she had been in that I wasn't aware of because I had never been that close in the inner workings of the building. And um, just on Wednesday, a little boy in her class took a chair and chucked it so hard at the window that it shattered the window. And, uh, she wasn't there she wasn't there that day because I pulled her and that class is really traumatized the teachers really traumatized There's just a lot of hard things that I didn't the parents don't know that that's happening so I tell you all those stories which I know feels so random to tell you how grateful that I am Heavenly Father gave me those experiences because if I would have been teaching seminary, I would not be having my 
daughters on my brain. I'd be having those 90 kids on my brain. I would not have been in their school. I thought I was going to sub because I would never sub in my right mind on purpose. That's just, I just wouldn't do it. <laughs> but I thought I was doing it for my daughter who has a, a teacher who's pregnant. And it wasn't for my fifth grade daughter at all. It was for my second grade daughter that I had no idea what was happening. And so I'm just, I'm so grateful that Heavenly Father gives us these experiences. And sometimes we think we're going into something knowing why we're doing it, knowing what we're hoping is going to happen. And it ends up being something completely different. And my heart is just so full of gratitude that he just helped to prompt me to be where I needed to be so I could see what I needed to see so that I could protect her in that moment. And so um, things that sometimes seem hopeless, like those times when I felt like, geez, JJ, you're such a loser. <laughs> he just, he was guiding me. And um, so just trusting in that and being so grateful to know that he is aware of us. And he is going to help us and that it's, it's okay that it feels messy or it doesn't feel like it's going the way we think it should. Um, that it's okay if we find ourselves in a den with some lions um, because there will be just so much to be grateful for that he is in those um, places. Um, blessing us and guiding us and truly all those things will be turned for our good. Thank you so much, JJ. Thank you. All right, Melanie. Um, hopefully I can share what's on my mind. Um, but just as she was talking, um, just a second, sweetie. Um, no, I've got to talk right now. Um, talking about like being in the den of lions and uh, just yeah just seeing all the the mess um around you and the the terror <laughs> um it reminded me of um a note that i had written uh, a couple years back um after i had been reading in first nephi um and it was uh, the story of lehi and just uh, right after he'd received a vision of what was going to happen to um, Jerusalem and that Jerusalem was going to be destroyed. And um, I was just so impressed by his reaction to it. And I mean, we may not have the whole story. We <laughs> very likely do not. Um, but just after he's seen all these terrible things that is going to happen uh, to Jerusalem, um, he says, um, uh, let's see. Nope, not just a second, sweetie. Um, he's praying to the Lord and he says, great and marvelous are thy works, O Lord God Almighty. Thy throne is high in the heavens, and thy power and goodness and mercy are, are over all the inhabitants of the earth. And because thou art merciful, thou wilt not suffer those who come unto thee that they shall perish. And the note that I wrote with that 
verse that was first nephi uh, chapter 1 verse 14 um, was uh, even though lehi was shown some terrible things concerning his people his prayer was only of praise faith and gratitude he includes things in the prayer that he knows are true about god and his nature and doesn't ask for anything in the prayer and just focuses on gratitude um and and truth and just yeah i don't know um if that quite ties in to what jj was saying exactly but i just that's just the thought that came to mind when she was sharing um all the all the hard and the things that didn't seem to make sense um like like what what good can come out of this situation <laughs> and just um yeah just just finding how god is aware of us and and leads us like and lehi had no idea at that point that he was his family was going to be directed to be uh, saved elsewhere but anyways <laughs> mm -hmm. thank you melanie oh so so good well something i wanted to be sure to say in this um this gift that we're creating about gratitude is a lot of times in the stretch of our lives where things do feel hard and they might not make sense there's um we can hear about just be grateful just say the things you are thankful for just look for god's hand in it all and um there can be a resistance there like ah geez what do you think this is just foo-foo or something right it just feels like um don't you know that's not real life to just focus on what's good so you don't look at what's bad kind of a thing and um so i wanted to be sure to say that out loud because i'm hoping that you here watching have noticed that yeah there's been a lot of faith-filled discussion and talking here but I think there's also been a lot of examples of, yeah, in the hard, um, being grateful doesn't necessarily mean that we're not aware of and noticing what's hard and that we're not being, you know, you know, validating ourselves and where we're at and, uh, I think that, yeah, that's something I'd just like to ask if anybody has any comments on that for women, because I think that's a, you know, well, if you just think, oh, just look for what's good, then you're not honoring yourself. You're not being where you're at, you know? And that's one thing I've noticed with lots of practices of mindfulness, that it's also beautiful and lovely, right? And grateful is such a big part of mindfulness and i'm so grateful for that but if you're just learning the pieces of it that are about just being your truth and that's your truth over there right let's all just do what it is and not be all fluffy about stuff right i think there's also lots of feelings around that so i'm just wondering if anyone has any comments on that and melanie I noticed you do. Sorry, I feel like I'm talking a little too much. Um, but I just had just when you were saying that, and I hope nobody already mentioned this because somebody did mention a, 
uh, talk by Dieter F. Uchtdorf, and I think this is from the same talk, but um, I just thought this was a perfect quote to go along with what you were saying. Um, he says, being grateful in times of distress does not mean that we are pleased with our circumstances. It does mean that through the eyes of faith, we look beyond our present day challenge, or wait, sorry. Yeah, it does mean that through the eyes of faith, we look beyond our present day challenges. This is not a gratitude of the lips, but of the soul. It is a gratitude that heals the heart and expands the mind. And I actually found that quote, not from reading the talk, but from reading a different article this morning um, where uh, this wife was uh, talking about um, a trial that she went through in her marriage um, and um, how um, gratitude really turned the tide for her um, with every with what was going on um she said that the spirit directed her to write good things about her husband like some of you have mentioned and um she said after i was done i noticed a shift in how i felt i felt hope again in remembering the positive things for just a moment i saw um my husband the way the, the lord does i was feeling more peace um the spirit stop sweetie um used that experience to teach me about the power of gratitude all my feelings of anger and hurt were valid and real and i think that that's a very important key to to point out like karen was talking about like all the anger and the hurt like all those feelings are very valid and very real i mean and i had to honor and process them but when i was ready gratitude was a powerful shift for me and it became one that i've used since um so anyways i and for those that, like you were saying, it's so easy to be like, how, how do I just switch to gratitude? <laughs> like, um, I did like this quote by President Monson, um, where he said, please don't pull that out, sweetheart. Stop. Um, he said, how careful we should be to, or actually he was quoting President Joseph F. Smith. He said, how careful we should be to cultivate through the medium of a prayerful life, a thankful attitude toward God and man. Um, and then President Monson said, President Smith is teaching us that a prayerful life is the key to possessing gratitude. And so just like some sisters had talked about, um, uh, they start their day with a, a letter to God and how powerful that can be. Um, I think that is uh, that is so awesome and so important to, um, to cultivate a prayerful life and just having that connection with God because a prayerful life is the key to possessing gratitude. Um, so. Thank you, Melanie. Yeah, let's just take one or two more two comments if you have anything to say. Thank you for quoting those things about, and we're talking about the, yeah, like having that, you know, is gratitude just ignoring what's hard? Just trying to not, you know, ignore it. Okay, Kelly. Yeah, I um, was tasked to give a talk in sacramenting one time about the 13th article of faith and i had the biggest aha moment with that and um it, it's the part where it says um you know we hope to be able to we have endured many things and hope to be able to endure all things um 
you know, we are in messes. We are, we are living a, a ter, terrestrial, celestial, celestial, we're celestial right now, right? Yeah. Um, life. And, and it's tough. It's hard. And the older I get, the more I'm like, how am I going to endure? But as I was preparing for that talk, I realized that that Joseph Smith gave us the key. And so it's not that we're not, um, that we're living in a frou-frou. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't live in hard because we do. And and it's hard to endure it. But he says, you know, um, if there's anything virtuous, lovely, or a good report or praise worth, worthy, we seek after these things. And so by looking for reasons and looking for hope in our messes, looking for those virtuous, lovely, and of good report and praiseworthy things, we're able to make that shift. We're able to endure all things and we're able to endure it better. I I just know that every day, um, there's going to be something that's going to upset me. And when I'm having a really hard day, it's really easy. I keep my gratitude journal on my phone in my notes and I can go and I just scroll. I don't even read what they say. I just scroll and give myself all the evidence of all the reasons that I have to be grateful. And it helps me to endure the hard things. I don't dismiss that things are hard. They are hard, but I know that the Lord's with me and I know that he's helping me. And it's because of this practice of gratitude and writing these things down that gives me evidence to fight the adversary when he's trying to put me under. Mm. Thank you, Kelly, for that. Such a neat insight that I think many of us haven't considered about the 13th article of faith. Thank you for that. Okay, Rhonda, then, then Kim. I think we'll end with Kim. Okay, some some thoughts I had. Because um, I had those thoughts that am I, you know, trying to be grateful to just outweigh, you know, just kind of make up excuses for the heart, for everybody else's things they were doing, causing the heart in my life. Um, but the spirit taught me that my practice of gratitude is how I exercise my agency. It's how I stay in my, in my, in my zone and how I, um, I can affect the blessings that God has promised me. And another thing that I thought is it's how I, it's how I trust in a God who keeps all his promises. And I love this quote, God is good all the time and all the time God is good from God's not dead. And he is working miracles in my heart, in my heart, even though I can't see them, I may feel the effects of the consequences of the choices other people around me are making, but I can live in gratitude for those things. There was an example of, um, well, it was written a book called Hiding Place. There was an example of Corrie ten Boom and her sister 
Betsy who were living in the concentration camp and Corey was struggling with being living in gratitude and Betsy says we should be grateful for the fleas we should pray that we have we have fleas the guards don't come in and bother us and we can teach the gospel we can share about Jesus Christ because they don't come in and bother us and one one last thing is God knows the end game he sees everything and then we sometimes get stuck in the middle of our heart and we get short-sighted <laughs> and trusting in a God who sees the eternal is very beneficial in our heart and helps us through our heart and endure the heart and it, it blesses our he blesses our lives in so many ways when we choose to use our agency in righteous ways Thank you so much. All right, Kim. I was thinking about Victor Frankl. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning, and he went through all of the atrocities of World War II, ended up in a concentration camp, lost his, his entire family there. And his experience there um, brought him to develop what he called logotherapy or therapy of meaning. So at the end of the war, he was asked to, um, to be in charge of the psychiatric department in Vienna. And there were over 30,000 patients on suicide watch there. And he said, okay, I'll do that, but we're going to implement this program, this logotherapy. And there were three parts to it. One is to have a team that you connect with, people that, that you... Um, share your life with and another one is to have a purpose a meaning to get up out of bed in the morning and, and go help in a cause that's bigger than you and the other part of this logotherapy is to have a redemptive view on the challenges of life and what a what a beautiful way to find that redemptive view is gratitude and it doesn't mean that the heart goes away. I mean, obviously, the people that were there at that time had dealt with hard beyond my, my imagination. But to find the, the redemptive view, that there was something to be grateful for, something to, to find peace in about it all. But anyway, so that's what came to my mind was... Gratitude will bring us into that redemptive state, that, that redemptive view of, of the heart. Karen, I'm grateful that you invited us all to be with you this morning. It's been sweet to just ponder upon all of our blessings and to feel and express gratitude. Just thanks for, for doing this. We're so grateful. Yeah, as am I. So grateful. I can't help but just consider um, why we can be grateful, right? And the energy or the pull that is connected to our very covenant hearts that reminds us to look higher than where we're at, right? And it is, you know, the fact that we know that Heavenly Father's plan is real and it works. 
and that the reason it works so well is because we have a savior who championed Heavenly Father's plan for us. And um, so that's one thing I think that's just such a big thing to recognize is that gratitude is connected to, to heaven. That gratitude and, a, and thinking higher than what we feel or higher than where we're at and remembering the eternal truth with a capital T, not just what's true with the small T in our life. Like it is true that it's hard. It is true that I'm really here. It is true that that's really happening. But what the capital T truth is, you know, that's the pull. I think that heaven reminds us of it to look, look for, look for me in your mess, look for me in your storm. But that's gratitude is so connected to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the fact that he extends the opportunity through his atonement for us to have the ability to think higher than where we're at. And it's, it's, it's such an inspiring invitation that he extends to us, giving us that gift. And it also takes courage and some intention to do it. And I'm just so grateful for that. So thankful to be associating with you women here and for your efforts to participate this morning. Thank you for every single thing you shared. So inspired, it's so beautiful. Thank you for being here and you listeners. Um, we're hoping that this gets to you just before you cook your turkey for Thanksgiving. And um, if there's one thing that women do, it's, it's a lot of work to try to create some kind of a feeling for people. And um, that's another thing I'm so grateful for. And it is, uh, I have a testimony that that Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother, our Heavenly Parents, love their daughters. And that much of the work that their daughters do is directly connected to creating feelings for people through the work that they do. Because it's in those feelings that we can feel the spirit of love and joy and gratitude and family and happiness. So anyway, we're all in this together and we hope your turkey turns out great, but even if it doesn't, yeah, just know that you are the atmosphere angel who creates a feeling because it's your gift. And thanks so much for being with us. Thanks for everybody for being so grateful with me this morning and with each other. Mm -hmm.